0: Welcome to the ARRIVE podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law podcast for Canadians. Today we will be discussing sponsorship for a green card. First, we're going to talk about who can sponsor somebody or you. If you're trying to come to the United States or not a U.S. citizen, well, who can sponsor you? And I think that's how it's phrased when we hear it most of the time. People call and say, hey, I want to go to the U.S. How do I get there? Who can sponsor me? And the other thing we're going to talk about is what are the financial obligations of that sponsor? Because there are financial obligations as well. You, you, it goes beyond just meeting the relationship requirements to sponsor somebody. There's also a financial aspect of
1: it. Right. And there's a limited list of people that can fill in as your sponsor. Um, so if Very you, limited. Yeah. People think,
0: and I think, how often do we get this call? Frequently. But they say, I want to go to the U.S. How do I get there? Who can sponsor? Or me I to have the US? family
1: in the United States. Can they sponsor me? Well, we're going to go through the list of who who qualifies to be your sponsor.
0: Or can I just sponsor myself? Right, right. And then that, that's that's a whole that's different discussion. Yeah. Um, but in very limited situations that can happen. But in in this situation we're talking about is fi- family sponsorship for a green card. Which family members qualify to sponsor somebody to come into in the United States? And the first thing you look at is relationship because that's how it's built. The U.S. immigration system is built based on qualifying familial relationships. And the reason
1: for that is the the whole purpose of allowing family members to sponsor you is for family reunification. So the whole purpose of that part of the immigration system is to keep family units together. They think it's a good purpose. I do too, um, to try to keep families as a unit Um, And not just have, you know, independent people living in the United States, breaking apart families, uh, people with no support group. That's never good for anybody. So that's the purpose, family reunification.
0: Well, and when you put it in that perspective, they have classified certain family members as top priority. And those top priority individuals, and we can start there for sponsorship, the top priority, the the people they want to keep together are children and their parents. Mm -hmm. So minor children And parents are top priority, as well as parents of U.S. citizens. They have a special category uh, where they have priority. And spouses as well fall into that. And spouses. So. Spouses, Spouses, parents, and minor children all have a special category. Because most categories fall under the Department of State Visa issuance guidelines, and they only issue so many a year. So these ones we're talking about don't fall under the... There's no limits there's on, the no limit on the amount of visas they
1: can issue for spouses. There's no limit on the amount they can issue for parents of U.S. citizens or minor, or children. minor children of U.S. citizens. There's no limit on that.
0: Well the other ones might have a longer wait time because there is a limit on those individuals. For example, if you become an adult child... You're not seen as a priority as a minor child because they can, they see you as being able to take care of yourself if you're a, if you're married. Right. So,
1: exactly. So if you think about it in terms of um, self-sufficiency, a 21-year-old is someone that's where the cutoff is. And that's what they say at that point. You're no longer a minor child. Now you're a 21-year-old. So if you're stuck in your home country for a while, they're not so concerned about you yeah. being separated from your parents.
0: But that's something you need to take into account when you're thinking about this process is what are the ages of my children right maybe you have a 17 year old or 18 year old child 20 year old child and they once they turn 21 you're on your own
1: yeah and sadly with a lot of these categories it can take years and years and years to get to the point where a visa is available for your for for your family members um and uh, sometimes, if you have children, they may be minors when you start this process. They could even be little when you start this process, but by the time a visa is available, they Changed age out. Category, yeah. Or we,
0: maybe you get married, then that also jumps you to. Yeah, a different it changes
1: category. category, or the child ages out, and there the rest of the family can move forward with their green card. But the my the child that was a minor at the time they started the process is now twenty one, and they're no longer eligible. So you've got to keep that in mind. Um, make sure you work with somebody who's tracking these dates and, and is able to help you with that and make a plan for and your family. They change every month. so it's, They it's, do, yeah. It's subject to what's called the visa ball. Or should we say they don't change every month? Yeah, sometimes,
0: <laughs> sometimes they go forward or they go backward. They don't change at all. It's all over the place. Um, yeah. But, for example, we had... It came out just this week. So we had to go and we had to verify what pending cases we had and who was in what category. And some of our people became eligible to get their green card now. So they're able to move on to the next step. And
1: some of our people aged out of their eligibility for their green card because it didn't move forward quickly enough, sadly. Or some
0: of them went farther back and have to wait even longer. Right. Because uh, that's the way it works sometimes.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about who these people are. So if you're in Canada or in another country and you think, hey, I've got some family in the U.S., I wonder if they can just file some papers for me and maybe I can come to the United States and get a green card and, and citizenship eventually. So the first person that can sponsor you and one of those priority ones is your spouse. So if you have a spouse who is a US citizen or even a green card holder in the United States, they can sponsor you to come to the US and join them. Um, the process is one, if you're a citizen of the United States sponsoring someone, you get that priority level where you're not gonna have to wait but if you are a green card holder sponsoring your spouse from another country, there could possibly be a wait period. So you have to be careful with that.
0: But yes, a spouse, mm-hmm. U.S. citizen. Top priority. What about a child? Can my so, child sponsor me?
1: Right. So a, a U.S. citizen can sponsor their parent. Absolutely. Um, they need to be 21 years old when they start the process. They can't file anything before that. So if you have a 17-year-old that's an American citizen, son or daughter, they have to wait till that 21st this birthday. Often. We do. Because
0: a cross border life here, plus people come as maybe students, or they came here working, and they had a child while they were in the U.S. So they're like, "Hey, can my child sponsor me? My child's three. No, your minor <laughs> child cannot. But your adult child, right? 21 you just or have older, to wait camp. a few years, and it yeah. could
1: happen for you. So we do have a lot of people that call us right as their son or daughter is turning twenty one, and, and they said we've been waiting for. You know, we were, lived in the U.S. briefly. Um, we had a child there way back went 21 years ago and now he or she just turned 21 and we would like to um, resume living in the United States we're going to have our son or daughter sponsor us this is also referred to negatively and I don't appreciate the negative connotation as the anchor baby so this would be where somebody has a child in the U.S. and then they can use that U.S. born child to sponsor family members outside the United States in the future
0: And you you do, unfortunately, have we do have people call once in a while. Hey, I'm about to have a child in the U.S. How does this child sponsor me? So it does happen uh, negatively as well, Um, and that's where it comes from.
1: Yeah, but but you know, most of the cases we deal with, it's legitimate people that were here in the U.S. studying and
0: living in the U.S. and as part of their life, they have a child. Right. Um, So yeah, and there's certain benefits that at the right time Mm -hmm. they can get through that child because it's a U.S. citizen.
1: Absolutely, and so. You know, sponsoring a parent, I mean, it doesn't have to be right when you turn 21. You can do it at any point in your life. So, I'd say
0: most of them happen when they're adults and married. Then they end up sponsoring a parent later on down the road. Yeah, like
1: when the parents retire in their home country and they say, hey, I want to come and live with you and the grandkids now. And then you can sponsor your parent.
0: Or a child who was an adult when they came to the U.S., they went to school, got married, whatever it might be, right. became citizens. And my parents somehow. are elderly
1: and I need to bring them so I can care for them in the United States. That's another, uh, you know, good case scenario that we see a lot.
0: Yeah. So you can be sponsored by uh, a spouse and an adult child. Who else can sponsor you?
1: So um, you can be sponsored by a spouse, an adult child. You can also sponsor your child. Right, so if you're a U.S. citizen and you have a son or daughter, you can sponsor them. So it's not just a U.S. citizen sponsoring a parent. There's a minor
0: child and an adult child. Right. We already talked that the minor children have special um, rules that apply to them because they're a minor and Mm -hmm. they want to keep them with their parents. Where an adult child, adult child might take a little bit longer, but you can sponsor them. Um, You can also be sponsored by a brother or sister true u.s citizen yeah i sponsored
1: my brother back in 2009 he's still waiting
0: family reunification for a sibling is is not a top priority. definitely not a top
1: priority so depending on the country (laughs) you could
0: be waiting 20 years you
1: could be yeah even Uh, longer
0: so the wait time is much higher for a brother or sister and a married brother or sister has another category like an adult child no they don't actually adult child that's married
1: Surprisingly, they don't have another category. So what happens with the brother and sister is there's no separate category for married or unmarried. But but when I sponsored my brother, he was a single guy back in 2009. He was a bachelor. He's since been married and had a child. So now where he was going to take up one visa if they says, had processed yeah. it back then, now he's going to need three visas for this family member because your you're allowed to add back and forth. In some of these cases, yeah. you can add your family members onto as derivative. We call them derivatives on the case and so his wife and his son will be able to join him, along with his case in the United States to come once his there is a visa available for just him. So that's how the backlogs are created too though. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because if you see one, you know one when you visa. Have
0: adult child, too, the same thing applies, right? Right, and so
1: as these timelines get, get longer, people's lives change, and and they seem to get more and more kids and wives and and whatnot, um, and more uh, visas are taken up by by these one sponsorship situations. So um, those timelines are only getting longer; they don't seem to be getting any shorter.
0: Yep, uh, an adult child was the one I was talking about. Uh, An adult child that gets married goes to a different category. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Life happens. People get married. People have children. uh, And then circumstances change. uh, And that impacts this process. Uh, Who else can sponsor you? What about my uh, aunt or uncle? I have a lot of aunties in, in the United no, States. No, your cousins,
1: aunts, and uncles, unfortunately, are not eligible. Grandparents, too. So a lot of people call and say, my grandfather was a U.S. citizen and, and he lives in the U.S. and I'd like him to sponsor me. I want to go to school there. Uh, they can't sponsor you. So U.S. citizen grandparents are not going to work.
0: So an immediate relative is right. by U.S. immigration is defined as a mother, father, spouse, brother, sister, or child. Right. Any, any relationship outside of that does not qualify for sponsorship. Now, when you're talking about a grandparent, we talked about this on a previous podcast. They may not be able to sponsor you, but depending on the chain between your parents and your grandparents, there may be another avenue. Maybe you could get citizenship through that grandparent. So however, they cannot sponsor. So for right. the purpose of this discussion, no sponsorship from a grandparent. Yeah. And there's other things you need to consider, too. So those are the relationships. Those are the ones that qualify. Mm -hmm. Those are the individuals. If you're looking to come to the United States and you have that relationship in the U.S., if you have a U.S. citizen, uh, spouse, parent, brother, sister, adult, child, well, then there's a possibility they can sponsor you.
1: And I typically, when I talk to people, and even though the wait is very long, so, for example, 14 years for my brother right now, what I usually tell people is it's a minimal investment for you to make right now and get that application in. Um, you don't know where your life's gonna be in 14 years. You may be glad that you have an ability to get a green card at that time. And if you're not, you can always just abandon the process. There's no nobody gonna force you to get it, but it, you leave your options and the doors open to you. I mean, even if you come to the US in another way, in the meantime, you may come in another way that doesn't have a path to a green card. So you've got this option in the background. And
0: we see this uh, quite often where, for example, and we've done several of these cases, Mm -hmm. somebody comes and they get an, an investor visa in the U.S. and they open a business, but then they have a sibling who's a U.S. citizen. And the sibling does a sponsorship for a green card through their Relationship with that sibling, but the wait time is fifteen years. So in the meantime, what do they do? Well, they open up a business. They come here on what's called an investor or an e visa, and they work in the U.S. managing their investment, working while that green card process is in the background. Mm-hmm. Then when that when their number comes up, then they switch from that investor visa over to a green card, and now they can stay here forever because now they're a permanent resident. It also happens with individuals that come on maybe an L visa or a TN visa or a student visa where they have a temporary status that they use in the meantime. And there's ways to do that where you can be here temporarily and extending and changing your visa status while you wait for that green card to be called up.
1: Yes, definitely. So you can get your life in the US started before you're eligible for the green card, but it is pending in the background and doesn't impact your ability to get a temporary visa.
0: Yeah, if done correctly, you can, you can hold a temporary visa while you're waiting for this to process in the background. They're separate processes, That's, and peop, people don't often understand that. They are completely separate. So one, one of them can be filed concurrently with the other one. Yes, and it can be done in the background, mm-hmm. so, but you have to be careful. There are there are considerations such as immigrant intent, which we've discussed in the past. You can only hold certain intent while you're, intent while you're on certain visas, and filing for a green card can change your intent. So it can be done, and I think that's that's very important to consider and think about when you're talking about sponsorship, because you don't always have this relationship readily available where a spouse or a parent can immediately sponsor you to come over. With no wait time, and yeah, you may only have a brother or sister, or you know, a or maybe you have that a, a child who you're waiting to become an adult. Yeah, so you need a band aid in the meantime to get here to work and to do what you want to do. So there are other ways that you can do that, especially in as some a instances.
1: Not for not for not, every yeah, single person, but
0: if you're going to invest or do business or work in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You might have something that's going to get you here in the meantime while you wait for these these green card situations to work themselves out.
1: Right. So if you have a sponsor now, you you may be wondering, hey, you know, I want to ask my brother or sister to sponsor me. What's the obligation on that sponsor? Um, you know, there's a financial aspect to this which you have to take into consideration as well. Maybe you have more than one family member that can sponsor you, and you're trying to figure out who's the best one to choose from. Is it should it be mom? Should it be dad? Um, who should I pick to be my sponsor?
0: Yeah, and the financial sponsor requirements are set forth in what's what what's what called the Federal Poverty Guidelines by the U.S. government, and that's published every year. And it starts with two people, and each individual that's added, it goes up.
1: Right, so the, there's an obligation there on the part financial of the U.S., obligation. a financial obligation, because they don't want people coming to the United States without any uh, and. financial support network, right? Because it's hard for a new immigrant to the U.S. to come here and start. Maybe they don't speak the language. They don't have the job qualifications necessary. So the U.S. government wants to ensure that there's somebody here in the United States that's going to be on the hook and going to be responsible for you, help you out financially. You're not going to
0: become what's called a public charge. In other words, dependent on the U.S. government.
1: And the way they ensure that is they include a form in this application package that you file that shows and puts somebody signing off on a contract saying, yes, I'm going to be responsible for this new immigrant to the United States. So if they ever, um, you know, get welfare or they ever get, um, you know, public funds and assistance, the obligation on the sponsor is that the federal government could sue them and ask for that money back. Reimbursement of those Reimbursement. So have you ever seen that happen in your career? No.
0: (laughs) I think that's very low priority on the, the government's list. Um, if you look at the news, look, follow the news right now, um, they're looking at reimbursement for people that aren't even citizens. So, I, I, yeah, that doesn't happen. So, but it is a requirement. So, financial sponsorship is something that they look at. It's very important. I would, right. you in can't, my you experience, can't just squeak
1: through on this. Yeah. You no, know, you without cannot. without good evidence, it needs to be done
0: properly. So these cases, especially if you're outside of the country, they're split into two different phases. So you can get the first step of the process approved. So Christine sponsors me as her father to come to the United States. She shows the birth certificate, the marriage certificate, and everything to prove that the relationship is real. So as her father, I get approved. So the first step's approved. Well, then it gets sent to... The national visa center, and in, we're, we're, we deal with Canada, will use Montreal, and Montreal for processing. At that point, is when they will now do additional verifications, which include this financial verification. So even though a lot of people get excited, oh, I've been approved, I've been approved. Well, great, that's that's great. Yeah, no, the but that's the step, first the step. The
1: second step's almost harder, I think, than the Much first harder. step. So
0: you have you have the medical yeah check you have to pass you have the financial check well you the, have financial, to pass. the financial and the financial part check i mean you have to pass the
1: financial part is complicated so you have to look at the finances of the sponsor the person who's sponsoring you and if well, the first thing we usually check is do they have u.s source income of a certain amount 125 percent of the federal gov- poverty guideline what does that amount to so typically for a couple of you know for just two people in the household it could be around you know twenty-two, twenty-three thousand dollars.
0: and it changes every year per year yeah
1: so if you have an income of that amount, um, you know, you don't wanna be borderline. So the more you make, the better above that. Um, but if you have, if the sponsor has US source income, that means US p- employers paying them a paycheck for their services or labor, then that meets the requirement. Um, and it, it amounts to that much annually. Um, and if the,
0: you, What if you don't have US-based income?
1: If you don't have US-based income, say for example, you're a married couple and you're living in Canada and you haven't worked in the United States. You don't have any U.S. source income. We can look at your assets. So the assets of the U.S. person, what are they coming? What do they amount to? So for a married couple, you would have to show that those assets amount to at least three times the amount that's required. So if you're just a couple, two people, and they want to see twenty-four thousand dollars, you're going to have to show three times that amount in assets.
0: And assets are so closer to seventy-five k, or something that's quickly turned to liquid.
1: And that's USD. So. Yes. Uh, that's in our local currency, not in. But Canadian we know
0: currency. how the we know how the real estate market is over there in Canada. So a lot of people are sitting <laughs> on this. Nice well, they have equity in their home on their home. Yeah,
1: so. you got to be careful with that too. You got to provide the right evidence and make sure you you're going to get an appraisal done of your home, which not many people want to do because that costs money. So, um, but the evidence needs so to be there. You can
0: use assets. Use assets needed, and we see that very often because a lot of our clients are living in Canada and they don't have U.S. based income. Mm-hmm. And so they have to rely on those assets.
1: Right. So you want to make sure you work with someone who's familiar with that. Now, what if you don't have U.S. source income and you don't have a lot of assets? You're fresh out of school, but you want to relocate to the United States
0: and you want to bring your spouse with you. Is there another way you can do it? Co-sponsor. Right. Joint sponsor. Yeah. Joint sponsor. So you can get, find somebody and there are requirements there, but they're not that stringent. That's the same financial requirement has to be met, but any U.S. citizen, or U.S. permanent resident can mm-hmm. act as that sponsor. Can join in and provide assets or income to help meet the requirement.
1: Right, and we that it, it doesn't need to be a family member. It can nope. be anybody. It can be an, employer, can be an acquaintance. Yeah, anybody really, uh, as long as they're willing to sign off on the form. And it's a lengthy form, and we're going to ask for you know some detailed financial information from this person. Yeah, so they, they have can't to be, be willing shy. to disclose yeah. their finances. <laughs> willing to disclose their finances and willing to be on the hook for you um, and they're willing to sign off, then they can be a joint sponsor. Um, you just got to keep in mind what's their household size. Like if it's a family of, you know, 12, (laughs) 12 or 15, then that obligation is going to be a lot higher, a lot more money. Yeah, they do. Right. So
0: the other thing too, and this, this also comes up quite often is U S taxes. You as the sponsor have to be current in, in your taxes. You have filings, to have filed right? your taxes on a regular basis. If you haven't, you need to go back and back, file, and show that yes. either you filed or you weren't required to file. Your sponsor, co-sponsor, will also have to meet those obligations as well. So, And you have to provide them. They're looking back three years right. on tax returns. So if you haven't filed you better go back and back file and get mm-hmm. those up, make those current. And you may
1: not have to pay any money. Your tax obligation may be zero, but they want to see that you've done that filing you with the, the IRS. Obligation.
0: And most of them don't have to a tax obligation because they're paying in Canada. Right. And the tax rules protect them. But you have to have submitted your tax returns in the U.S. So what if you don't
1: them. have a joint sponsor? Say, for example, we get a lot of calls from U.S. citizens that have grown up in Canada Maybe we're born in Canada to US citizen parent, never lived in the US, don't have any family in the United States, but they really want to come and live in the US and bring their spouse with them. Is there another way they can qualify without a joint sponsor?
0: Well, you can you can qualify on your assets or your spouse's assets. At
1: right. That point. So then you can you could look at your spouse's assets. Maybe your spouse has assets or maybe your spouse has US source income. That's another way to look at it. That's you can actually use the intending immigrants U.S. source income to qualify um, as opposed to the U.S. I I had a case recently where um, it was a husband and wife. He was working in the United States on a visa. She was a U.S. citizen and sponsored him for his permanent residence in the United States while they were living in Chicago. Um, And she didn't work. She was a stay-at-home mom. They had a couple kids uh, and she hadn't worked in years. So... There you go. U.S. citizen has no income. They had, you know, no assets to speak of at the time. They were just, you know, living hand to mouth, and they used his income uh, for his from his U.S. employer to yep. qualify. The one caveat was that they needed USCIS requested a letter saying that the from the U.S. employer saying that they were going to continue to employ him after he got his green card. And um, it
0: has to. You have to have been employed with that employment employer for at least six months too.
1: Right. And so, but the key is because a lot, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, great, I'll just go ask my employer. My spouse can just go ask their employer to give a letter of that nature. Um, many employers are adverse to doing that because they yeah. think it gives them some kind of legal obligation to continuing to employ you. So um, I just
0: did one like that. The
1: It's not the easiest letter to get sometimes.
0: Yeah. The intending immigrant was on a TN visa. Yeah. The U.S. citizen spouse was not employed or did not even come close to the income requirement. But the, the TN visa holder, uh, foreign spouse, had s- plenty of income. So that we relied on, on her income to meet the income requirement because the U.S. citizen spouse did not meet it.
1: Yep. So there are ways to get around it. You just got to, you know, speak with someone who knows what they're doing. Um, if yours isn't a straightforward case, just to make sure that you can uh, meet all of the requirements before you start the process.
0: Yeah. And... In dealing with these cases, these family relationships and sponsorship cases, I would say that this is probably one of the biggest um, holdups on these cases. They get it approved, like I said, at, at first stage, and they get to the National Visa Center and the U.S. consulate, and then they find out, oh, wait, there's a financial sponsorship requirement? Oh, how do I do this? And it's very confusing as to who can qualify and what you provide to show they qualify.
1: I know. I always think of that list on the form where they ask you, um, you know, how many people are in your household, calculate your household size. Even that list is confusing because it'll say the person you're sponsoring and then you yourself and And then
0: your spouse. And then you're thinking, well, the
1: spouse is the person I'm sponsoring. So now I just put them down twice. Is the number three or is it two? So it can be very confusing. You want to make sure it's done right. If you don't do it correctly, they'll reject the form or is it going to prolong your case while you try to struggle to get it in the right shape.
0: And because a lot of these individuals are living in Canada or another country and they're not in the US, one of the errors we often see is they put down their Canadian-based income. And they think that oh, their Canadian-based income Oh, yes, they, they think that that's going to qualify. qualify. Them, but it doesn't. And many that's people want to send us
1: their Canadian taxes too. Canadian, can, we send, can I send you my Canadian taxes? They doesn't term? Like, care about no. your Canadian taxes. Nope. They don't care how much you paid or nope. made in Canada. Yeah, that's, that's
0: another. So we see that a lot. They'll send over uh, Canadian-based income or Canadian taxes. Nope. It has to that's be U.S. That's not going to qualify based. you. Yep. U.S. dollars, U.S. income, uh, U.S. assets, or, or if it's a foreign asset, it's equivalent in U.S. dollars.
1: Absolutely. So bottom line, I think, you know, if you have one of those family members that can sponsor you and they're in the U.S. or maybe they're not in the U.S. but you think you qualify, it's good to speak to a qualified immigration lawyer. Determine what your eligibility is and uh, just make sure you, if you have a choice between people sponsoring you, choose the one that's uh, got the higher U.S. source income for best chance of approval.
0: Yeah, it's something you need to consider. Well, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for listening. Um, If you have any other questions about U.S. immigration law, whether it is sponsorship, uh, whether you qualify financially, or any other U.S. immigration law-related matters, that's all we do. We dedicate our practice to U.S. immigration law. If you haven't already, you can subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hit like. (laughs) um, So the other people out there looking for or listening to similar things can find it as well. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.